Welcome to the Right Sound Podcast with Aria Deslitz and Colin C. Welcome back to the Right Sound 2021. New year. Yep, new year, new podcast episode. We wrapped up the year and I did NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month for November. Worked on finishing that novel in December, and I'm just almost done with the ending now. And Colin? Uh, I spent most of the last of the year uh, just dealing with my health issues. Um, I'm not very public about it, but I do have an autoimmune disease, and it kind of throws me for a loop every once in a while. And this past year has been exacerbating that through anxiety and... uh, those two things don't go hand in hand. Yeah. Meaning is that the anxiety has been very high for both of us, I would say, for last year. We decided that we wanted this episode to be a little bit more real than maybe the last ones because you've kind of listened to us in our art process and something that people are now starting to talk about on a more regular basis is, is mental health and normalization of that. Yeah, and I think it helps with the first episodes. You kind of understand at this point, hopefully now, who Rachel is and who I am um, to kind of have that backstory so that we can get a little bit more real in the podcast format instead of just, you know, easy stuff, easy creative stuff, easy creative stuff. you know, little pull quotes that you can yeah. put out there. Ooh. I mean, Art we'll, is so we'll much have... fun. Creativity is always fun, <laughs> and you're always happy when you're creating. You know, that's some <laughs> of the things that I really actually dislike reading, and I've tried to read memoirs by other creative humans, and they'll be like, they'll basically be saying how they, you know, were living from creative endeavor to creative endeavor, gig to gig to gig, in a studio apartment with blah, 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 blah. And the way they tell it, it just... It's romanticized. Kinda, yeah, it romanticizes it. It totally and is. We love that, though. I think our culture loves that. Yeah. I think that's a good, actually, little segue into one of my points, is that you always hear these, you know, overnight success stories, you know, and how much our culture is built upon this idea that if you, if you can't do it really well at the first attempt, then you're not like a prodigy. You know, and we prop up these ideas of prodigies. Like, there is so much that you don't get in that, like, oh, this is the overnight success in this genre. It's like, no, there was a lot that you probably don't know about and that they had to, you know, overcome or just learn. No one makes their best stuff the first time they try to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I have several novels that are... I don't even know if I have them saved anymore because of how bad they were <laughs> when, you know, when I was first starting to write and you read some of my early stuff. It's, it's, and I've been writing since I was, gosh, 12. So, you know, trying to create fictional stories since I was 12. So it's not like I was like, oh, I'm 12. I'm going to write a novel. This, <laughs> not, you know, um, but I've been writing for a very long time and i published my first book in 2010 2011 and that was a novella so it wasn't even a book so it took me a long time to get there there was a lot of struggle to get to that point and a lot of learning that had to happen because i 
which segues a little bit into in the what we were talking about in the car, which was that life is a work in progress. And I think we see a lot on media or social media even that we kind of we kind of prop ourselves up, right? And we don't show the work in progress. And that right. goes for art right. and that also goes for life in general. Oh, totally. Putting on a pair of pants in a sense is like putting on your uniform in order to go out and deal with the public on days where you don't want to. And there's always the facade. And I think the facade carries through art and it also is exemplified in social media to the point where it becomes the biggest deterrent for me from social media. It's like, you're not being real. And I'm guilty of it too, because I don't want to go on my Instagram and moan about my problems with my health. You know, people, I don't want to rope people into that. So you put up the facade and you, know, you put up the cat picture and you put up what you're working on. And, you know, there's validity in that. Seeing a cat is great. <laughs> Let's be honest. But, you know, it's not a true representation of yourself or even like your personality. It's just that forward face that we all need to have and we all need to put it forward. Yeah. Um, I did want to loop back to what you were talking about, though, about your first writings and not having them, because I feel like it's really important to have that stuff. I, well, I don't know. I might have them, but I, I don't know. Do. Because I, I, I even, because uh, example being just this past week, every once in a while, I'll get a DJ who will just hit up my Facebook page out of the blue and ask me for a track that I had made 10, 15 years ago. And that just happened. And this guy out of the blue was like, hey, I really like that bootleg remix that you did back in 2006. And I'm like, wow, I haven't even thought about that since 2006 in reality. So he sent me on this because, you know, I like to help my I'll, I'll go try and find it. As long as the hard drive didn't fail, I'll, I'll take a look and see if I can find it. And what that makes me do is it makes me go back. And I've got uh, CD books with CDRs burned from 2000. You know, I'm picking one of those out and putting it in my machine and listening to the music that I was writing at 18. Oh, it's, it's horrible, but it's great at the same time because it gives you that barometer. It's like, here's a way that I can gauge that, yes, I've come this far. Mm-hmm. And it's also really interesting to see from the almost that detached perspective now, because when you're in it and you're making it, you have a very specific mindset and you're a very specific influence. Yeah. So if you're now detached from it, here I am. I'm going to turn 39 in June like that's that's a pretty big distance for me and to be able to listen to those little pieces that I had struggled to create and thought oh my god these are so good and now hearing them being like that's really really bad <laughs> but I can hear where I was going you know you can see yourself in little nuggets there which yeah. I think is really important because it gives you again that barometer to say like oh yeah I might feel like crap that my work is really bad but at least it's not as bad as it used to be. <laughs> I think um, for me, I, d- I don't want to think of it as, I don't know. I don't want to go back and admit how bad it was. I think it's <laughs> is more my deal um, because I liked continuing to move forward and, and progressing. And I think that I've already known, right, that I have progressed a lot because of some of the one of the books that I'm rewriting is I scrapped the whole thing. I didn't need someone to come in and tell me that's not good. Um, Because I I knew, well, I mean, actually back in the day I did, I did. I actually had, um, I won a small short story writing contest and won some free editing time with an editor. And she gave me a developmental edit of the book and basically told me that the ending was, I need to like burn it Um, in a very polite way. She was very, very nice, but 
that caused me to shelve it. And looking at it now, you're right. Like, yes, I've acknowledged how far I come, but I don't need to reread the whole thing to know that. And I mean, I guess it's different with music because you can listen to three minutes and be like, all right, cool. But like with rereading a novel, that takes right. <laughs> a lot more time commitment. But, you know, all I had to do is reread the first chapter and be like, oh, yeah, this is where I was with that. I can just take these characters, erase everything else, forget the whole thing, start over. And that's another interesting you know, side to what you do versus what I do is I really don't look at music in a sense that I have to be revisionist with it. Some people might say like, oh, well, you heard all those early songs. Does that make you want to go and like redo those songs? No, I don't want to do anything <laughs> with those things. My mentality with creating is really to just have that forward momentum and that what I have done is what I have done. And what I'm going to do next is always going to be better. I have that kind of feeling that like there is really no plateau Mm-hmm. With art, you kind of just keep going. And again, looping back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, being a work in progress, I think people really need to, you know, understand if you're going to be an artist and you're going to embrace that, that you kind of have to embrace that as well. Because we all know what happens when your ego gets involved and you decide that you're great. Now you can do no wrong and you're going to pull punches. Your art is not going to be as impactful. Your writing is not going to be as impactful if you're sitting from this place of like, oh, I'm great at this. Yeah, there's no room to grow if you've already reached what you consider is the top which when you think about it having everything be a work in progress can create a lot of anxiety um, especially for people that already have anxiety like myself so here's where we get real and this is gonna be a little hard for me because i don't i don't really talk about this a lot i have very kind of broad spectrum generalized anxiety over really stupid things And a lot of things can set me off into a panic attack. I've been working on cognitive behavior therapy, which I learned, fun fact, there are so many different types of therapy out there that if you are suffering with a mental health problem and you've gone to a therapist that just doesn't work for you, try another therapist. Um, And this is coming from someone who doesn't I don't do well talking to other people. Like, it's easy because Colin's my partner. We're here. We're in our house. So this is a little bit easier to me. But if you stick me in a room with a complete stranger, I'm going to be like, nice weather we're having. Certainly raining outside. (laughs) So, you know, it doesn't work for everyone. But if you do have a mental health illness, I recommend seeking help for yourself in whatever way works for you. So for me, it's reading. I'm a writer. Big surprise. (laughs) Reading helps me. Um, So I've been reading about cognitive behavior therapy and working through uh, a bunch of stuff on that level. And I've been getting really a lot better about not spiraling into full-blown panic attacks. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to struggle with anxiety for the rest of my life. Because I am and I probably will. And will it get better as I work on it? Yeah, but it's... A lot of people try to make it seem like, oh, you just have to do this one thing and then all of a sudden you're going to be right as rainbows. And I... I I know that firsthand because people do the same thing with autoimmune diseases. They're like, oh, if you just go to this diet or you just do this exercise, you know, like, or they'll tell you some anecdotal thing from a family member. Well, my friend had that and they did this and they're fine now. Great. That's so not helpful. (laughs) good for your family member but the magic cure-all does not work for me it doesn't work for everybody so for me it's been cognitive behavior therapy it's been acknowledging that i have a very severe just broad spectrum anxiety to like 
pretty much everything. I'm a really big hypochondriac too, which makes it a little bit like hard. Um, zoonotic diseases really creep me out. It doesn't help that I watched Monsters Inside Me for a really long time, so I like know every zoonotic disease out there that I can possibly. <laughs> yeah, cliff note for those that don't know what Monsters Inside Me is: it's like a Discovery Channel show that deals with parasites. Very rare <laughs> parasites that hardly anyone ever gets because they got to go through the like, oh, what do you have diagnosis, and then I'm like, oh my god. And I know I don't. I know I don't. See, that's the problem is that the logic comes in and I know this is not logical, but then the emotional aspect comes in of it and it tells me, no, that's true. What's interesting about cognitive behavior therapy is it's it's focusing on breaking your thought patterns, which to me has been really helpful for someone with panicking and, and stuff like that is because I can feel my thoughts kind of teetering. Like the, the, this is horrible, you know, the, the all or nothing thinking, this is horrible. This is, this is terrible. I'm, I'm a horrible person labeling, you know, there's all sorts of things that you start to do when you're spiraling and you start to tell yourself and you start to admit to yourself that this is true. And this can be applied to creativity because you think the same things about your work, yeah. Oh, I got rejected from another agent. That means that I'm a horrible person. I'm never going to get published. I'm never going to get picked up, blah, blah, blah. And it starts this whole idea that you're not good enough. And what cognitive behavior therapy does is it reels that back in and it cuts those thoughts off and it says, now think about these logically. Like break them down and look at them logically so that they're you're just looking at your thoughts instead of having your thoughts drag your feelings in that direction. <laughs> what is that um that part that I really liked you're you you are not your emotion or you're not your thoughts. You are not your thoughts. I really like that because you know even though I'm not I have depression and anxiety but not to the degree in which you do. Mine is very associated with social aspects of society <laughs> but i really i really like that that you're you're you are not your thoughts because i think even for me in my creativity there is spiraling and if you can stop yourself and say that to yourself is like you know you're just thinking these they don't have to be true you yeah. don't have to put any weight behind them it helps a lot and i mean i know the process because i've been i've been doing my reading and i've been doing my little homework on myself but I know that I'm going to have to keep doing homework. It's not like, a, oh, you read the book, so you're you're good. You're good to go. You're, you read one self-help right. book and your whole life is better. Yeah. And I think that we don't acknowledge that enough. We, we don't acknowledge that mental health is a work in progress. Life is a work in progress. And you're going to work on it until the day that hopefully you're old and surrounded by family and you go, okay, I'm going to sleep now. The big sleep. <laughs> because... One of my biggest fears is is dying, period, full stop. And a lot of my anxiety stems from that singular fear because it goes down that path of like, oh, I caught this disease and I'm going to die. Or, oh, I'm going to get in a car accident today and I'm going to die. I'm going to do this and it's going to kill me. It's interesting because um, I know a lot of people with anxiety that have had it so bad that they like want to die during like and during a panic attack I want it to be over you know like that you want it to be over but my biggest fear is 
I don't want to die. So it's like, I want this panic attack to be over, but I don't want to die. <laughs> but this panic attack's going to kill me, but I don't want to die. It's, it's a, I think it's a really unique experience because a lot of my friends who did have like a lot of suicidal thoughts, they didn't fear death in the way that I did. And I think that honestly, my fear of death probably ultimately saved me in the long run from trying to do anything like self-harming wise, because I always felt that fear. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm listening at this point. I know, I know, sorry. (laughs) I just went, I went for it. Yeah, I mean, you should. I I feel like if anything with our podcast is, we want to be real. Yeah. There's no sugarcoating creativity. There's no sugarcoating art. It's tough. Uh, Life is tough in general. And then trying to be an artist on top of that, especially again, in a culture that really just not doesn't bolster us in our mental health it doesn't bolster us in creativity and art it wants us to consume yeah (laughs) and i think that's also the problem is that how much people consume of your art becomes this barometer of how good you are and Mm. that's just not true that's not true at all well it's (laughs) just it's been it's it's always been that way you know yeah but how many artists have gotten famous after their death like, that's the interesting thing is, like, you don't know what your your music or my writing is going to do in the long run. We have no idea. It, it, could, it could go into oblivion and never be seen again. Oh, or it could be picked up by some alien race that we don't know about and become, like, number one thing for everyone to listen to or read on their entire planet. We have no idea. <laughs> Well, it just reminds me of when they shot Voyager into space with a gold record, like aliens have record yeah. players. I just, I was like, all right, guys, this, yeah, cool. Did they include a record player in that, or just <laughs> did they just include the record? No, they got you got a little drawing of our solar system and you know Adam and Eve and a, a record with I don't even know what's on it. <laughs> Interesting. Bert Bacharach. <laughs> the biggest hindrance with you know popularity as a barometer is that it, in music it falls into the fact that most of what you hear these days is considered popular music you know it's a 4-4 time signature electronic music dance music even country all of that in a sense is popular culture so for artists that are trying to make similar music even if it is you know left of that center there is always that barometer of like well how popular are you i've seen people get into arguments berating other artists saying well you don't have enough spotify listens for me to take you seriously and it's just like wow this is this is really part of that culture for you guys and how is that not causing anxiety how is that not making you pull punches i think it was a a film film director or a film writer I can't remember. I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm going to butcher this, but said something along the lines of, I do one for them and one for me. Oh, yeah. That's that's a very common thread with especially uh, certain actors. I know Steve Buscemi, for example, is very, he'll you know, ask Steve Buscemi, why, why are you in Con Air? And he's like, well, because I was able to fund an independent film called Trees Lounge with that money. There is that element of it. Yeah. And I think we kind of did cover that a little bit, really. We did. Was, yeah, was we selling about out it. and stuff like that. But uh, well, that's the other that's the other side of it. If you become too popular, then you're a sellout. Right. So so really, you're just as an artist with a mental health issue. You're screwed. You're screwed. <laughs> no, and and I what I mean is you're just going to you're going to have to be okay with yourself. 
I think at that, the end yeah, of the day that's the hardest thing to learn it's really hard but it's getting a little easier i don't uh, you know when i used to have a panic attack i would get upset with myself afterwards i would say i've ruined my day mm. by having this panic attack like I would blame myself yeah, you're, for you're beating yourself up over like it. afterwards and and I've gotten better about not doing that so it's like it's no longer this I was trying to explain it to you cuz when um it's a really weird experience now that I've learned a little bit about cognitive behavior therapy and I'm still learning but it's this experience of like when I feel my body going on this like it's going to go into a panic attack my mental self just like kind of floats above my head and is like hey, I'm not going to be involved in this anymore because I've learned that that's not healthy. And it's this weird kind of disassociation that happens for just a little bit. I don't panic and then I kind of come back into myself. So it's like instead of a panic attack, I'm having this like moment of just, all right, let's not let's not do this. Let's not let's like float up here and just like whatever. And then then we'll come back down. I think that's I don't know if that's healthier because like I said, I'm I'm teaching myself this, (laughs) but I think it's healthier for me because I don't have a panic attack and then I don't blame myself for it. So I don't spend the entire day thinking I've wasted an entire day, Um, which also is, again, not a healthy way of thinking. If you are an artist or if you are someone with any mental health illness I strongly recommend that you find a method that works for you that has that makes the impact of your mental state lessen on your life like you should be bolstering yourself up you should be your own cheerleader and that's hard to do that's hard to do for me I'm not saying that I'm great at it I'm saying I'm trying well, <sighs> self-esteem and self-actualization I think are the two hardest things that you get wrong as a kid even as like a teenager like that's like the worst time for like self-esteem and self-actualization and as we get a bit older i feel like you can start to see all right well that aspect of my personality i can understand a little bit better if that makes any sense for me when i was a preteen self-esteem came in the form of what clothes were you wearing it was so some, something so surface level. And if you weren't wearing the right clothes, then you weren't cool enough and you weren't popular yeah. enough and blah, 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 blah. And it becomes a spiral of like all of these labels that you're you're just not because you're you and you're the only one that's ever going to understand you. So you have to be happy with you and do things for you and you have to take care of yourself. Yeah, totally. And we don't live in like, as you just explained, we don't really live in a culture that allows for that. We get clicks in schools and we get pigeonholed into these friends or not friends and a lot of that for some people i know that's how they live their adult lives yeah there's no growth there's no again self-realization that you can be yourself beyond the click beyond the genre of music that you make the writing that you do everybody wants to pigeonhole you and everyone wants to give you a box so that they can understand it better from their perspective. One of the most interesting days for me in high school was the award ceremony because a lot of my teachers really liked and respected me because I was a huge nerd. I went to every single day of high school, every single day. And I had a bunch of speeches about me. And then afterwards, some people that I had never talked to ever came up to me and were like, Rachel, you're so cool. I was like, what are you talking about? First of all, I'm not cool in any way, shape, or form. I'm the biggest nerd on the face of the planet. And I had such low self-esteem about myself that it didn't matter. 
that all of those people were saying all of those nice things about me. And that all of these people came up and were like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize you were involved in so much, blah, 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 blah. Like, it's weird, you know, because when other people start to tell you you're good at something, wrapping back to creativity, it doesn't matter what anyone else believes because I have to believe it. That's the self-esteem part of that equation. And people think that the best accolades as an artist is to be praised, you know, to get that applause from the gallery. And... I really don't like it at all. Um, I think a lot of people in art get trapped into that. Like, I gotta, I gotta get that out of people. If I don't get that out of people, then I'm not fulfilled. You know, you have to feel good about your work, your stuff, your life, your mental state. Yeah, and it's okay to not. It's okay to have days where you're not. Oh, absolutely. Like, days? I have years. Yeah. Are you kidding me? You know, no, I put out, yeah. I put out records now and I go back to them and I'm like, this is should not have been released. What was I thinking? And then people will tell me, oh, you know, I love that. You know, like that was so good. You did something, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, it, it helps a little bit, I think. Yeah. You have to have that a little bit of detachment that like, yes, a little bit of praise can help, but don't get too attached to it because yeah. that's going to send you again down a spiral of. Like, I have to play to that gallery. I think it's very important to separate yourself from what is considered, I would consider a consumer performance and art. You can be a performer and cater to the audience, and that is totally fine. I mean, a lot of artists, musicians do that. But the problem is, is that the audience assumes that art is all consumerism, and they have a say in it. They have a say in it because they're consuming it. They think you're a box of cereal. And if the formula of the cereal changes, well, I can just, you know, annoy General Mills and they'll give me back my cereal the way that it used to be. And that doesn't apply to art, but our culture makes people think that that's, that's what we want as artists. We want your feedback. We want you to tell us how to make our art. And for most of us, that's not really why we're here. If you're a performer and you're, and you're into getting up on stage and... Then performance becomes your art. Yes. yes. Perfect. Exactly. And I don't think for you or for me, the performance of it is, you know, that ex extroverted aspect of it is secondary to the internal creative aspect of what we do. Yeah. So cherish that aspect of it, especially if you're suffering from anxiety or just, you know, low self-esteem with your work, which I've been dealing with since <laughs> forever. <laughs> it's just have fun. If it's a catharsis like it is for me with you, then have that catharsis with your, with your art. I think that's very important. Yeah. Rachel has therapy. Music is my therapy. It, it always has been. I feel better when I can take a lot of that, you know, like we talked about in our previous podcast of mm -hmm. being uncomfortable, taking that uncomfortable feeling and turning it into something that I can sit back and listen to afterwards and be like, that's exactly how I feel. Done. Put it away. Move on because life's too short. You should get something out of it that you put in, whatever you put into it, you should also get that out of it. So if you're not enjoying it, maybe you need to be working on another project. Yep. 100%. It is a new year. So don't, don't do any of those resolutions and then immediately forget about them. Yeah, just, don't. just commit to working on, on you. I'm going to commit to working on me. Yeah. And that in turn is also going to be a commitment to working on my art because my art makes me happy. Right. One of the things that I've said to you and is, you know, set small goals. We have this idea that we have to be grandiose and we have to get somewhere. It's like, no, small goals. If, it, if it's today that I write a lyric and I achieve that, brilliant. Or, you know, 
you write a paragraph. Brilliant. Little goals accumulate. Yep. Big goals drag you down. <laughs> They're just going to add to that anxiety and that self-depreciating thought process. Most of us should be in a marathon. I hate that marathon, not a sprint. Why? I don't know. That's what it is. It's all about running. But that's life? Ugh. <laughs> life is a work in progress. Art is a work in progress. That is our, our main takeaways from today. You are a work in progress, and that's okay. And take care of yourself. Yeah. Whatever Self-care. that is for you. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next time. Thank you for listening to the Right Sound Podcast. This podcast was produced by The Cell Studio with theme music by Colin C.